Welcome to the Questionably Qualified Podcast. We are continuing our preview of the 2023 NFL season tonight. We will be doing the NFC East, which is unfortunate just because I already used up my joke about lying on the interview, which is a reference to Mike McCarthy, of course. So I'll just start this one by saying I am obviously six foot three, two 215 pounds. <laughs> and with that, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Mike Yax. Yax, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. If I could get that kind of combine adjustment i'd be i'd be, be a different good. world be a different That's world right, man all right so tonight we are talking about the nfc east i do not have a beer for them because i drank it for the last one which was martin house's our pets heads are falling off um but tonight i found a beer from baltimore so we'll be going with that one it is from duclaw brewing and it is called summertime seedless it is a watermelon hopped sour so ought to be interesting yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, so for the NFC East, we're going to start with the New York Giants. I think probably last year's biggest surprise playoff team. I'm trying to, well, the Seahawks are right up there with them. Those two are the two that really nobody expected to make the playoffs last season. And they did it largely on the strength of a revamped offense, thanks to their new head coach, Brian Dayball. That offense sort of brought about better results from Daniel Jones, who cut down on his turnovers a lot, only made the throws that he could make, and tucked the ball down to scramble a little more frequently and a little more quickly than he has in the years past, which, you know, thinking back is kind of like the Josh Allen recipe until Josh Allen then developed into a superstar. Quarterback whisperer. There you go. There it is. There it is. There's the label. And to reward him, they gave Daniel Jones a fat, fat contract this offseason. They gave him some stacks, as the kids say. Some bands. It's hard to remember back that far in the NFL offseason. I feel like that was like a super dramatic storyline that I had almost entirely forgotten about until we were doing this preview. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know. It, I don't, I don't understand the NFL in terms of, like, these kinds of commitments to players. Like, clearly, like, I mean, I guess they had to do it in a way. <laughs> or let him walk, right? That's that's kind of what they were looking at. Yeah, but then it's like, yeah, then who who are they going to get to replace him, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I guess I don't know. But, yeah, that's, it's such a weird small storyline. Like, I don't think they really had much of a choice. And it was completely a race, like when, uh, you know, with all the Lamar drama, and then yep. Hertz got his big extension, and then Lamar basically cloned that deal for himself. Yeah. So the Daniel Jones contract is four years, one hundred and sixty million, so forty million dollars a year, which feels massive, but truly between the way that the cap is right now and where it's going to go, especially as the gambling money gets added to the salary cap. By the end of that contract, they're not going to mind that too much at all, I don't think. No. When is their, do you know when their potential out is? I do not. Let me see if I can find it real quick here. Oh, okay. It is after, it's two seasons from now. Yeah. So after so, 2024, they have a decent chance to get out. Okay. So it's like, I, I hate NFL contracts. Because you look at them and it's like, I think one of the teams, I, th- I think the, the commanders do this where they sign everyone to three-year deals, but they have outs after one year. and So it seems like, oh, I hate that. I hate that at all. Like, just make it, make the contracts right. This is stupid. We have to, like, play this game all the time. 
I agree. And it just allows them to do these bizarre things every offseason where it's, oh, this person signed the richest cornerback his cor- contract in history. And then you look at it and it's like, well, you know, kind of. He's probably not going to make the same as the best corner in the league is getting paid right now. And then, like, I mean, just a little tangent, I guess. It's just like, I don't know, the ability for NFL ownership side to launder their fucking propaganda on how they pay their players into the media with, like, almost no questions. Because I was saying, like, guaranteed money means injury settlement money. But it's like, you're not going to get that guarantee. And then, also, it can also include incentives. So they can say it's guaranteed this much, but they if unless the person's injured in the second year, and then their third year is guaranteed X amount, they can just release that person. It's not guaranteed. And it's like, but and it goes unchecked all the time. It's like, why? This is the richest league in America. Like, just make it right. Like, I understand that there's like, I don't know. It's just stupid that you have to try to like lie to people. Like, the agents are smart enough to know what it is. So it's just like, what are you just trying to like win brownie points for, you know, Ill, not informed fans? It's, it's so bizarre and stupid. So. But I'll leave it at that. To your point, they, Daniel Jones signs a four-year, $160 million contract this offseason. Headlines everywhere. Oh, my God. He gets paid $9.5 million as a base this year, $35.5 million as a base next year. Then there's the potential out where they would eat $18 million in dead cap. Yeah. And the next two years are $30 million and $46.5 million. So if you want to go ahead and, and give me some odds right now, we can find them. I'll go ahead and bet that the Giants will not be paying Daniel Jones' 2026 contract of 46.5 yeah, million. <laughs> you don't think so? I, just, I think they'll probably eat the nine at that point and move on. Yeah, it's, it's just so bizarre. Like that, but I hate that shit. It, it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's goofy. Okay, so back to the way that they, they played last year. Last year, they were a pretty fun team, I think, in the sense that they had a lot of close games, and it seemed like they had random heroics all the time, despite not having much of a receiving core. I think they started last year with Kadarius Tony. is that correct? And it was a, it was a mid-season trade to the Chiefs? Yeah, he, like, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's sometimes, I, this is my sports media market now, and I, I'm not, I don't listen to the sports market that much, like, the 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 radio but yeah i think everyone thought he was <laughs> he faked that he had a hamstring injury and just like faked it until they traded him then he was like healthy i think didn't he like kind of um say that in a way like he's like eh, you know i think i'm good now <laughs> that's wild so that, that's an interesting one and so yeah so the last season they finished 10th in offensive dvoa and it kind of was on the strength of Jones, a, a very much improved offensive line, especially Andrew Thomas's performance at left tackle, and a rejuvenated Saquon Barkley. Uh, maybe just, you know, finally had enough time since the injury to, to be back to his old self to some extent. And they worked with him a lot last season. That being said, they are definitely a regression candidate, and I think you can see it in their over under uh, expectations. But they did make some moves in the offseason that could make them a little bit more interesting especially from my fantasy standpoint which is darren waller at tight end yeah i mean you come off a season where darius slayton was like your highest receiving like highest did everything the most receiving yards not the most receptions like some guy i've never heard of i I was (laughs) saquon had the most receptions (laughs) 
him and Richie James, a person that we all know. <laughs> of course. Of course, Richie James. Yeah, the one thing I do know is that you basically can't say, put the two words Dave and Gettleman together around here uh, without people having a meltdown about the. They get real upset. Uh, do not like the man. Apparently, <laughs> apparently they they weren't a big fan of uh, former Lion uh, <laughs> uh, Kenny. I can't. Was he a GM or what was he? No, the wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Oh, Galladay. I forgot that he was on that roster. Kenny Galladay suited up 12 times last year. For the, wow. the G-Men had six catches for 81 <laughs> yards. <laughs> oh, that's pretty oh, yeah, that's, that's not a good signing there. No, no I don't think that one. I, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, he had like some hip problems, and he just was never healthy. And he just lost his step. It was bad news. He but, seemed uh, like he was going to be good there for a while with Detroit, right? He was awesome. He was like, his last year with us, he was very, very good. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. I like, I honestly had entirely forgotten that he was on the Giants last season. But yes, that was another source of drama because yeah, of how badly he played with that contract. Yep. Yeah, and then like, that Sterling Shepard was supposed to lead, be one of their leading receivers. And he, I think, played three games, like, it was abysmal for like their wide receiver depth, but somehow they, yeah, they they stuck to the playoffs and <laughs> fucking beat the Giants or beat the Vikings. Yep, the only team that was even more fraudulent oh, yeah. than they were. Yeah, exactly. How hilarious was that? I can't believe they got a win. That's in the playoffs. That's amazing. But yeah, so they pulled off that win and then immediately traveled to play a real team in the Philadelphia Eagles and got just romped thirty-eight to seven. <laughs> right on. So, right, so they've added Darren Wallen in the offseason. They have done a little bit to address a not-so-great defense where they, they have one defensive tackle who's quite good, and outside of that, they're they're kind of looking for answers. Was last year Wink's first year there? I believe so. Their I think that he came over with Dable. Yeah, so he was, you know, obviously Wink Martindale was like the mastermind of the defense the defense of the Baltimore Ravens for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is getting up there in age, but I can't imagine he rocks the 29th range defense again, but I mean. I agree. I think that'll pro- they'll probably be a little bit better. So, Dexter Lawrence had a huge year last year. Kayvon Thibodeau started to look better towards the end of the season, so you think maybe you get a little bit of pass rush out of there. But they're really just, they're thin in the secondary. They're just thin in general. So it'll be interesting to see how much they can they can improve here in year two and uh, and how much Wink will need to keep dialing up blitzes to to bring some pressure. That said, oh go ahead. Oh no, I was like they they really yeah he's very well known for bringing a lot of different exotic pressures I guess. But mm-hmm. they were kind of just middle of the ro- middle of the road getting home. Yeah, what the kid they got from Indy from Indy's pretty good, Okereke. But yeah, they. They did not do a lot to this defense. He's like the only big signing. And then I guess they drafted a corner for Maryland in the first round. I'm like, for the 29th ranked defense, you kind of wanted to see more. I'm not, maybe they had some injury problems, you know, on that side of the ball, but. Yeah, I'm a little curious to see if they are maybe taking a realistic mindset of we probably got lucky last season to some extent. Let's not 
move too fast to try to, you know, pretend that our team is on the same level as the Eagles. So that's the only thing I can think is that maybe they're they're taking a, a more slow and steady approach than than freaking out about going nine and seven and one like maybe the uh, the Raiders did a couple of years back. Yeah, but then it's like, why just like was this going to be Jones's like fifth year this year, or was it going to be like a franchise year? I would have just tagged him then. If- yeah, I think they had the, that was the choice was whether they tag him or not. I would have tagged they're him kinda, personally. Yeah, they're kind of. They're kind of straddling the line on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so with that in mind, their over-under is set at 7.5, which it's a, it's a really good number, I feel like, because last season they finished 9-7-1. A couple games regression seems pretty reasonable, but do we, do we see enough out of Dable last season where it seems like they'll get some of those wins in close games and we shouldn't expect them to regress all the way to, you know, maybe five or six wins. Considering that, like, I don't, you know, clearly Philly and Dallas are better. Than I mean, it's not yes. even close in my mind. Uh, the divisions they got to play are the AFC East, which is kind of a tough ask in the NFC West. And, yeah, it's a little rough. Two very winnable games in the West. You know, especially with the Cardinals, who might win zero games. Yep. And they get the Rams late in the season, so that's one where if Stafford gets injured again or if they're just out of the picture, then that becomes an easier game. Oh, man, but they, yeah, so they, they open up at the Cowboys, and then their next game is in Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, should that's be one gonna, and one. I would that's say. gonna help you get right. Yeah, I think that I'm probably gonna go under on the number. I just think that I just don't think that you're gonna see another step from Daniel Jones. And if that's the case, then at some point Barkley is gonna be a little less effective. The Waller addition might be nice for the offense, but they're still really short on pass catchers. And I think the schedule is just a little tougher this season. Like you said, you know, they're at best the the third best team in the division. You add on top of that playing against the Bills, the Dolphins. I mean, these are a lot of teams that that could stack up points on them pretty fast. What's your magic carry number? 370 is the the carries. Oh, geez. Okay, Saquon's only at 295, but then 57 catches on top of it. Yeah, so he's creeping up there and with an injury history already. Yeah, that could be rough. To me, it's just, yeah, I'm going to go under, I probably, like, if you have two teams that are clearly head and shoulders better than you in the division, and you got you have one tough division like division you're playing, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I'm gonna go slight under, and I don't feel great about it. That's one that I'd probably just stay away from altogether. Seven and a, I, I'm so seven and a half is not that much though. No, you're looking for an eight and nine, right with the seventeenth game. God, what? I'm looking to next week. You know who else has a seven and a half line? The Washington football team? No, the Chicago Bears. Oh yeah, well that one that one I I've already placed money on. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the flashing lights alarm alarm number of the of the year for sure. <laughs> yeah. I like the ah uh, man, this is a hard one. 
Just because this, this division was so solid last year. Almost everyone had a winning record. So it's like really hard to see how this happens. But, uh, yeah, um, just because they have these, I'll stick with it. Going under or over? Under. All right, sounds good. Okay, so let's move on to the Washington Commanders. I wrote Defenders in there, so that wasn't a great start and yeah. <laughs> says a bit about where the Washington franchise has been lately. But Dan Snyder no longer owns the team. Oh, man, parties in the street. I don't. It doesn't matter, you know? They're number six and a half this year. No one cares. Yeah. But there's a wider conversation, I think, to be had about this. And that's like, how much are these teams really worth? And there's so many stories about the Washington. Like, we can talk, we could talk about this team for the whole episode. Just, it has nothing to do with football. It's just weird off-season storylines. Like, what are they doing? Oh, man. And how are they worth $6 billion? $6 billion feels hefty. I just, I don't, I don't understand how that, how that works. And I wish someone could explain it to me in a way that I would understand. Yeah, all I can think is, you have all the revenue already, the gambling money is going to be factored into the franchises in not too long. And I think the best explanation I've heard is on the Bill Simmons podcast. He talks about how it's a status symbol more than a lot of that other stuff, right? Where all these all these people, I was going to say guys, which for the most part is fair because it tends to be guys. But all these people have all this money and they can all go out and buy a yacht. They can all go out and travel to these places. But there are only 32 football teams. And when you own one of those teams, you get to bring your friends to games. You get to show up there in your box yourself you know you get to do all that stuff now i don't know why you'd want to do that when you make yourself the most hated person in the area like dan snyder did but i do see that there would be appeal to owning the franchise and especially if you did a good job but you know enjoying the adoration as well sure but like to that point the denver broncos were sold just one year before at 4.65 billion and how that you'll know like i guess i don't know maybe the beltway is all messed up and people love that stupid team that does not have a functioning trademark or any type of like like there's no loyalty to this name the commanders people are trying to get it changed back to the old name people like don't like it trying to get a new name i think the guy who bought it wants a new name so you're talking about trademarks that don't mean anything so i don't really so that's neither take it or leave it and this franchise has been kind of dog shit for like for how long i mean at least since snyder took over which is 20 plus years ago yep so to me i'm just i just i don't know this this is so insane this dude also has to like you know steal billions of dollars from a municipality subway to build a new stadium. They have the worst stadium in the league. Like, yes. so uh, it's just, I'm kind of just stunned by that number. Not to mention all the other insane things that have come out and just totally sullied this organization. It's just a, a complete, I'm baffled by that number. And Was it Jalen Hurts that almost got taken out last season by the shoddy stadium? 
<laughs> I don't remember. They had they had like the stands collapse. Yeah, I, that's insane. So yeah, things things aren't going great there from an infra- infrastructure standpoint. But last season they finished eight eight and one somehow. I wouldn't have guessed that if you had asked me. I would have said that they were for sure under five hundred. And mostly it was on the strength of the ninth ranked defense by DVOA. Yeah, so their, I think, their front is really good. Right. And that was mostly without Chase Young, who has been a pretty huge disappointment so far as an NFL player. But he is supposed to be healthy, fully healthy, and back this season. So if that side of the ball with Rivera and Jack Del Rio's input improves from ninth, then you've got a pretty serious defense on your hands, which just leaves the offense as a question mark. An offense that finished 28th in DVOA last season, uh, thanks in large part to the efforts of one Carson Wentz. How much do you think going from Scott Turner to Eric Bieniemy can help your offense out? <laughs> if, if the early stories out of tampering indication, not very much. Because players were complaining that he was like basically trying to coach them and telling them that they weren't doing a good job. Yeah, it didn't seem like he was asking a whole lot. <laughs> I just like I was just, it was just so wild that like Ron Rivera went into the media and was like talking about how like it, I don't know what it's just it's kind of insane to me. Yeah, so I, from what I read, the enemy was basically barking at them because they weren't getting to the line quickly, <laughs> which means they weren't getting set up correctly quickly, which means they couldn't run the plays like to the depth that he wanted them to be able to run it. Which again seems like basic offensive install from a request yeah. standpoint, especially with the first year starter, a quarterback. Yeah, I love that Sam Howell's name the starter when you got Jacoby Brissett. I mean, uh, this it just kind of seems insane to me. I also love that like their their first like two picks in the draft they got defensive backs when they already have we've discussed like a good defense. Their offense is garbage but they basically i don't really know what they're doing on that side of the ball yeah it's kind of hard to say and if sam howell plays well it's just so rare that one of these players is that much of a surprise right there there are so few brock purdy's or tom brady's out there that get drafted late and really rise that fast yeah i agree I mean, I'm I'm looking at their depth chart now. Like, obviously, they do have some good skill position players. Yeah, Terry McLaurin, very McLaurin good. McLaurin and Dotson, both very good. But like, like I don't know. Man. They don't have a great offensive line. They're running back. They have a strange committee there where Antonio Gibson looked pretty good, and then they suddenly were like, "Oh yeah, we're not giving the ball to him anymore. We have this new person, and like, Brian was- Robinson, I think." Yeah, he yeah he got shot last year, like before the season. That was right. so insane. And he came back, was able to play. Yeah, the, they get Antonio Gibson, who like was able to like play wide receiver in college, and they don't they do not use that skill set on him at all, basically. And so, like, why do you get a guy that is so diverse like that, and you kind of just don't take advantage of that skill set? I don't know. Yeah, it seems like they'd be well set up to try to use some of the tricks that San Francisco, for instance, uses when they start using Debo as a running back. And it's not so much that he's your lead running back as it's, hey, this guy can line up in the backfield credibly, 
and all of a sudden that freaks the defense out that you've got two guys lined up that way both of whom can run routes and run the ball on a running play and unfortunately the the head coach in san francisco was a coordinator many years ago for this washington team and they let him go so (laughs) yes that's very true um i think we'd also be remiss if we didn't mention the episode where dan snyder tried to blackmail the entire nfl because that is something that happened (laughs) he literally had a pot he went to the league office with a powerpoint and basically said you're not gonna like make me sell my team despite all the investigations that essentially said he was stealing money from other owners he had done this other insane thing where he was i I don't even know i don't even know how to like he was understating his revenue right so that he wouldn't have to pay in as much yeah there's yes essentially but i was talking about the other thing that happened where i don't even know it was the scandal with the cheerleaders and all that nonsense which was completely insane and he's a he's yeah, but like literally just goes to the league office and is basically like, I have dirt on everybody. It's not, you're not going to push me out. I ended up pushing him out because he's a psychopath. And everybody hates him. Yeah, there's one thing you can't do, and that's take money away from the other owners. You can do just about anything else, and they won't force you out. But that one, that one will get you, get you kicked out. You can't steal money. You can't threaten the other owners with private detectives that you said that have been following them for years. This guy is so crazy. How was he an owner for so long? He lied about like, oh my gosh. Didn't that that whole thing play out this year too where they finally admitted that they had been lying about the ticket waiting list? Yes. Yes, finally. Oh my god. I think they had also lied about like the sellout streak where they they kept saying that they had a, a sellout streak going and it was clear that that wasn't the case. This team is worth $6 billion. Yeah, that's lies. <laughs> I don't think so. So here we go. We have a nice... (laughs) The presentation, according to ESPN, became known in league circles as the blackmail PowerPoint. (laughs) This is from Pro Football Talk, by the way. Oh, my God. Per the ESPN article, it worked. A few top NFL executives had persuaded Goodell to give Snyder a stiff and lengthy punishment, but as the time for announcing Snyder's punishment neared, Goodell began to reconsider. (laughs) Isn't this also... Isn't this also the nexus to get Gruden out of the league? Like, it was the discovery from all this shit that had happened. Like, there's like a federal probe into Washington. And the NFL was able to get their hands on the discovery here. Yep, and that's where Gruden's emails were to, to Dan Snyder were. Yeah, or to the, the someone who worked in the Redskins still, or the Commanders, I guess now. Or they'll always be the football team. You mean. Football team is the way to go. Yeah, and they leaked that when they there's shit about Dan Snyder. You know they got their hands on just doing actual fucking crimes that they're just like, yeah. I mean, well, fuck John Gruden anyways. He's a fucking <laughs> dirtbag. I hope he has a great season and fucking bumble fuck. Where's he now? New Orleans. Fuck him. Yep. Chucky doll motherfucker. What what was presented was not a defense any, against any of Wilkinson's findings made against Snyder. It was a series of screenshots of potentially embarrassing emails and texts from several top league executives, including Goodell's top lieutenant, Jeff Pash. 
The rationale, according to a source with first-hand knowledge, was to argue the hypocrisy of league officials judging Snyder. The tactics were so ruthless that some attorneys felt uncomfortable. Although none of the content was sexist, anti-gay, or graphic... Not sure why you need that disclaimer, except for the fact that obviously there's a lot of sexist, anti-gay, and graphic because material elsewhere. Dan fucking Snyder. <laughs> you just assume that's what's happening. If Goodell didn't do what Snyder wanted in terms of handling the Wilkinson report and punishment, these emails and texts would be leaked. <laughs> that was a great guy. Incredible. Incredible. So, yeah, I think, you know, no matter what, the mood is going to be better around the Washington football team this season. But how do you think the results will play out? Last season, they finished 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. This season, their over-under is set at 6.5. It's so weird because I'm, I'm, if I'm under... 6-11 and 11 is low. I mean, that's... Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I don't see, I want, I'm like, really, I do want to take the over here. Because I like the defense. And I think, like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to look up their... Scott Turner was their last offensive coordinator, and I want to see what he has ever done. Uh, nothing, nothing very good. He's he's just another legacy name. He's never done. He cannot. No, 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 no. It is not Norv Turner. My oh, I'm pretty sure God it is Norv Turner relation. It's his son. Yep. What the fuck? He's never been a coordinator. Oh my god. <laughs> so the enemy is probably going to be a big improvement over that. I would say, I would fucking say so. <laughs> Holy shit! All right, yeah, I'm going over. So I was like, if this guy has shown me anything in life, then I'm like, all right, I'll probably, I'll probably stick with the under, maybe. But this guy hasn't done anything. It's just Norv Turner's kid. Yeah, I think I'm joining on the over. It's t- <sighs> the schedule though. Makes sense though. So they get the cards in week one. That's a win. <laughs> we got one right there. Oh, yeah, there we go. They get Denver in week two. So depending on how long it takes Sean Payton to start to get results out of that Denver team. Yeah, they got the last draw, too, though. So, they, you know, they get the Bears instead of the Packers. <laughs> yeah, should be able to beat the Bears. Everybody should be able to, except for the Cardinals. I'm not giving the Cardinals that one. <laughs> the Falcons are a weird team, but that's that's certainly winnable, right? They're weird both ways, where yeah. they're going to win games that you don't think they should and then lose games that and don't make any sense. You can say what you want about Rivera. Like Sometimes he does not make the choice that maybe yeah. somebody looking at the game makes, but the guys always play for him, and he always ends up winning games, and you're like, how did you win this game? Like, why? I mean, that's exactly, and exactly to your point. You're like, how is this team eight eight and one? Like, they, I, w- they, I wouldn't have guessed that at all. They started Carson Wentz, who was a known joke, and then got whatever. Like Taylor Heineke came in and did a Taylor Heineke type deal. So, yeah. So I'm I'm going over too. I mean, looking at that schedule, there's just there's enough there that it's just like you said. He'll win a couple games that maybe he shouldn't. They'll probably beat the really terrible teams. That's enough to get you to seven, most likely. Yeah, I mean, and if the enemy can get this team for the 28th best offense to the 20th best offense, like, they are a lot better team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's let's wrap up Washington then. That was a fun little little deep dive there on some of the shenanigans. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Maybe they can shut the door on all that now that Snyder's gone. Hopefully. All right, next up, we have the defending runner-ups, the Philadelphia Eagles kind of an interesting team here in the sense that 
player-wise and luck-wise, like by, by most general luck metrics, they weren't incredibly lucky last year. They had great health. So that that's the one piece that they were pretty lucky in. But they weren't like wildly lucky in terms of turnovers. They weren't wildly lucky in terms of winning close games. Like they really did just thump a lot of their opponents throughout the season. I think the only other case you can make for luck is that they didn't play the worst slate of opponents. So maybe it's just a matter of the level of competition wasn't that high. Because I from what I remember, I think there was a stretch early in the year where the Eagles were like six and zero. And you started looking at the remaining 11 games and you went like, well, wait a minute, like which which of these games should we expect them to actually lose? <laughs> which is kind of wild to say with 11 games to go. So you think that maybe they have a slightly tougher schedule this year. Maybe they have a little bit worse injury luck, but you have very exciting young talent in Hertz, Devonta Smith, and AJ Brown on the offensive side of the ball to go along with what was last season, maybe the best offensive line in football. And then on defense, you've got a team that won't get 70 sacks again, but that is still pretty stacked, especially at premium positions. Yeah, I mean, there are some losses, obviously. Um, Javon Hargrave is in San Francisco. Uh, Miles Sanders is gone. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is gone for defense as well. But, yeah, I definitely agree with you. This is going to be, in my opinion, it should be you know one of the best teams in the world. Agreed. And... The the case against it, I suppose, is that you lose both coordinators. I don't think very highly of the defensive coordinator. We covered that in an earlier one, who is now the head coach of the Cardinals, coincidentally. But I do think that their offensive coordinator last season did at least a good job working with Jalen Hurts and trying to get the best out of him. So if there's a little bit of regression there, that might hurt. Wait, there's there's a new a new development. What's that? Matt Patricia is a senior defensive assistant on this team. Oh, yeah. It's that Matt Patricia, right? It's the same guy, yeah. <laughs> the same guy, which we in the offseason heard that Darius Slay was going to be jettisoned. He's getting a little bit old, but he's awesome. Because they were go- trying to sign Gardner Johnson, I think, to a long-term deal. That fell apart. So they signed Slay to a big deal. And then, like, not that long, much longer. Yeah, Matt Patricia's in the in the building, and the history there is that when Matt Patricia was <laughs> the head coach of Detroit, he and Slay had, I mean, he drove every good player crazy that he had on that team, but basically told Darius Slay that he was, like, sucking other wide receivers' dicks because he was saying that they were very good on social media. This and, is a stretch during which Matt Patricia went 13-29-1 as a head coach, by the way. Yeah, this was the first season. This was in training camp, I'm pretty sure. Matt <laughs> Patricia had coached zero fucking games in the NFL. And he's talking to his best players like this. Like, he's some fucking, like, hero. But he's Was just... this also while he was in a leg cast? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And getting carted around the, around the practice he facility? Was, he was driving... <laughs> A little golf cart, and somebody that is my wife said, just watching this, she she said, she just thought, I was like, oh yeah, he tore his Achilles or something, or tore his knee up, like running around one day. And she was like, I thought he just had to use that because of his physical (laughs) fitness level. And I was like, he's probably like 6'3", 215 though, I bet. I bet he's like, I mean, I think 6'3", is a little, 
<laughs> underselling it out there, six five, and then one ninety nine, a cool one ninety nine, probably. He's jacked. He's pretty jacked, for sure. But like, yeah, Darius Slay had to come out and say, I guess he doesn't like being called Darius. So big play Slay, like he's called big play Slay. Like he uh, was like, no, it's cool. I talked to him. Yeah, but you're you're cool with this guy. <laughs> Fuck, like. I don't know how the hell he got a job, but yeah, yeah. So that there's a, there's a possibility that he's he's good enough to uh, truly wreck everything by being there. He he might have just that that large of an impact on a team. Yeah, fresh off his you know stunning year as an offensive coordinator in New England. Yeah, where he very very quickly alienated a quarterback as well. So he, it's not just cornerbacks; he can also do it to quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, let's pour one out for Bailey Zappi, who got cut. Ah, uh, no more Zappi. Ah, uh, Zappi. That's tough. That's that's rough, but yeah, Mac Jones wanted to light that guy on fire. Pro <laughs> Bowler Mac Jones. So, in in true Howie Roseman fashion, uh, you mentioned some of the losses they had. And it just seems like they managed to add depth in in other ways at like more important positions. So there's a lot of excitement about the draft they had this season. Yeah, he definitely won the draft. Yes, yeah, I think like every report card has them as the number one team with an A with an A A plus grade. Usually not the not the way that it works out for the the defending for the Super Bowl runner up. Yep, and it's basically because everyone. I mean. You can talk about what happened to Jalen Carter. He was like one of the best players on that basically historic Georgia defense. And then, yeah, you know, he was racing with uh, the staffer that crashed her car and then her and someone else died. And so that's been kind of like the whole thing. No one wanted to draft him. Almost everyone says he's the he could be the best player in the whole draft by a lot. So they get him with the eighth pick. And I, it's like, you know, this is going to be like the next Warren Sapp, just because like, sometimes when it rains, it just pours for these teams that are like taking just, they're just hitting just the right button. So do you remember why they had the eighth pick? I'm trying to remember how they got that one. There's a trade. It's probably something that's going to make me angry. Uh, I bet. Okay. So I just finished tracing back the, the pick that ended up being Jalen Carter so it was originally Carolina's pick. They gave it to Chicago as part of the the trade for the number one p- overall pick. And then Chicago gave the number nine overall pick to Philadelphia in exchange for the number 10 pick and a 2024 fourth rounder. Oh, they as the, the one who went up one spot. Right. Well, how'd they get that 10th pick? So that's not, that's oh, you could, you know, good point. That's the good real point. question. How'd they get the 10th pick? Yeah, so let's see here. The tenth pick, Chicago got it from New Orleans via Philadelphia. So that one was New Orleans traded a first round selection as well as an additional first, third, and seventh in exchange for two twenty two two twenty twenty two first round selections. That must be the Chris Olave trade, I assume. I have no idea. I'm assuming that's what it is. I think it's got to be the Chris Olave trade because I know that that's how the Saints traded for it in the trade the saints received two 2022 first round picks numbers 16 and 19 and a sixth round pick while the eagles received a 2022 first a 2023 first a 2024 second 
as well as a third and seventh in the current year. They just traded picks here. Yeah, it was just all it was just all picks, and I'm pretty positive those are the ones that became Chris Olave. Yeah. So just more Howie Roseman stuff. And the article goes on to say after the trade, the Eagles will still pick twice in the first round because <laughs> that's just the way Howie Roseman works. Yeah, he's he's a wild dude. So, yeah, so it does seem a little bit like the rich get richer. I think that there are some places where you'd expect this team to regress, but I'm just not that worried about it in an NFC where it's, to me, it's them and, and the Niners. You know, there are people who will make a case for Dallas, and we'll get to them here shortly. But I think we saw last season the two best teams in the NFC make it to the conference championship game, and, of course, one of them then lost their third quarterback of the season, and that was enough to really knock them out. But I don't... I don't see a whole lot of huge roadblocks for them in this year. Yeah, like a lot of the the offensive line, they just lost depth. It's not like they lost the guys that were like the like the Lane Johnsons or mm-hmm. the Jason Kelseys or anything like that. They lost some depth guys. Just I, yeah, I, I'm struggling to see, you know, because Carter is going to step in for Hargrave. It seems like, and so then it's kind of just like, where how are they worse? Other than, you know, they flipped, you know, a fourth round pick next year for DeAndre Swift, who has struggled with injuries his entire career. But, you know, next year, he's going to step right into the role Miles Sanders had and just seamlessly. Yeah, they're just banking on Swift and Penny being healthy enough that they replace the Miles Sanders gap, right? Yeah, between the two of them, and he had six or eight games both with both of them, you're probably yeah. going to be all right. <laughs> Absolutely. And they still have the unstoppable QB sneak that, that they can run that has really shifted a lot of the, the win probability stuff their way as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's amazing. So let me know when you feel like they have their first game on this schedule that really feels like a shot at their first loss. Okay, you ready? Yep. Week one, New England Patriots. I don't think so. Week two, Minnesota Vikings. No, I mean, it's in the link, so definitely not. Week three, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I don't think so. Week four, Washington Commanders. Division is weird. Yeah, yeah, that's the best the best case, right? It's like, yeah. But this one's also at Philly, so... They'll clearly be favored, right? They'll be favored. Are they... I can see one game, two games. I can see a game they won't be favored. (laughs) Right. Week yeah. five, Rams. Week six, Jets. Week seven, Dolphins. Week eight, Commanders again. Week nine, Cowboys. At that's home for the right. Cowboys. So I think yep. they'll probably be favored, but that's probably the first one that it's really like a, you know, maybe it'll be just like a minus three spread. Yeah, I mean, Dolphins, but that's in the link. Yeah. The next unless, game. Is- unless Rodgers starts out so hot for the Jets that, that they, yeah, everybody is, is riding real high, and that one's, you know, in New York. Well, yeah. New Jersey. Yeah, at MetLife. Yeah, I don't think that that team's got the... <laughs> I don't think they got what it takes to take the Eagles down. Their post-buy is a lot harder. They have to play the Chiefs, Bills, and Niners three weeks in a row. Sorry, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys. So four weeks in a row. I mean, that is the Seahawks at yeah. you know at Seattle, which is not going to be an easy one. Yeah, so, and yeah. they have two Giants games at the end of this year. But but either way, I mean, they, they will be cruising by then, I would think. At least they got a New Year's Eve bye. Which is yes. nice. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> they get to stay home and play the Cardinals. Might as well just take the week off. <laughs> They'll already have sewed the NFC up, so it'll probably be Marcus, the Marcus Mariota show. Yeah, you know, the cards at that point might have that one circled because they might be challenged <laughs> to lose that oh, game. Oh, man, that's right. They might be going 0 and 0 and 16 up to that point, or 0 and 0 and 15 at that point. And they're like, and going, oh. you know, hey, the, the the Eagles are resting everybody, guys. It might, you know, what it might be though. It might be that they've already sewed up the first round, pit, the first overall pick. True, true. They may have by that. I mean, they're zero and 15, so they're gonna be like, ah, oh, we we can't be. The first zero and seventeen team. Right. So. This is the one we need to win. This is where yeah. they activate Kyler for this game. He don't play the whole season. <laughs> bring him back. Yep. Yeah, bring him back and start working on the trade value then, right? <laughs> there you go. Yep. All right. So with that in mind, I'm gonna take the over on the Eagles. I think eleven and a half is it's a high number, right? That's tied for the highest in the league, but I don't see any reason why they shouldn't get the twelve wins again this season. It's so high and just they have that one stretch that's just that is a really and like that's you're playing the other three maybe best teams that isn't aren't the Eagles all in a row. Yeah, and, and the Chiefs Cowboys, and Cowboys are both on the road. Yeah, there were the Bills. Oh, man, that's that's a tough one. But I am, you know, twelve and five. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm buying it over here. All right, so that brings us to our fourth and final team of the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, I'm told. The biggest change to me, season over season here, is that Mike McCarthy let Kellen Moore go and is taking over the play-calling duties for himself. So is this because of the play they lost on? And everyone should look this play up, the last play they had last season on offense was their last play. And I'm pretty sure Ezekiel Elliott was at center. R.I.P. to Zeke. Have fun in New England, my dude. Yeah. You know, honestly, I don't I don't understand what the reason is. I think the reason <laughs> is probably that there's there's a little bit of a hot seat situation going on, and there are only so many moves you can make, and it's probably not related to getting rid of Dan Quinn who coached the second best defense by DVOA. <laughs> yeah, probably not him. So be, between that and then maybe you could maybe you could work on Jerry Jones and, you know, assure him that Dak Prescott really is the problem. I, you know, I think that's the only way you can go. But he brought in Brian Schottenheimer, so more Nepo baby. Shotty! Yeah, Shotty too. Taking over the play calling himself, which we haven't seen since his days in Green Bay. Oh, and he was prolific. Very good. Yeah, we, we may he remember him best him. for having clearly the best quarterback in the league for a stretch and only winning one Super Bowl. Classic. So McCarthy and Rodgers both, I think, have a, a track record of some pretty disappointing offensive performances in the playoffs, and it's certainly been the case for Dallas over the past couple seasons where the 49ers have essentially come into town and just strung them up and not let them get anything done. I personally don't think that Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling is going to help with that. Yeah, so I'm expecting not. them to take a bit of a step back, and more importantly, I don't, it certainly doesn't raise their ceiling for me. So I think last season there were stretches where it seemed like, hey, maybe the Cowboys are just as good as the Eagles, maybe the, you know, who's going to win the division, that sort of thing. And I don't think there's any 
argument to be made this year that they're at the same level as the Eagles. Yeah, no. After the whole year played out, that became readily apparent. This team it was kind of sprinkled with pixie dust. Didn't Cooper Rush go like three and one or yeah, he had a very nice stretch filling in quarterbacking this team. Um, they inexplicably have Trey Lance now, which I don't totally. I mean, that's a, that was the most Jerry Jones thing I think I've ever seen. Yeah, fourth rounder, right? Yeah. Which I mean, oh. He just doesn't like Dak Prescott very much, I don't think. That could be. I mean, at least he paid him after his ankle exploded. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure a ton of other owners would have done that. Jerry's a weird dude, though. That's for sure. Yeah, that's very true. So they had a loss late to the Commanders. That's probably their ugliest loss of the season. And the Commanders also beat the Eagles last season. So that you know, like we were saying about Rivera, like that team is just it's it's tough to they're they're just not gonna go down, you know. Yep, they four and four and thirteen. Yep. They're tough out. Yeah. yeah, this is a weird team though, but we lost Ezekiel Elliott, we've mentioned that. That was I was just so sad to see what's happening to the running back position these days. Yeah, yeah, the Zeke, the Zeke one's interesting, right? Because I think he's a strange situation where he's kind of been in the the right timing for the running back value debate his entire career, where it was just starting to become a talking point when the Cowboys drafted him that maybe you shouldn't be drafting running backs that high. And then, of course, the Cowboys went wild and talked all about how Ezekiel Elliott is so great and how it was clearly worth it because of how well he had played, even though... In the meantime, they had like three all-pro first-team members on their offensive line. Indeed. That might help a little bit with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So he was at that stretch. Then they give him the massive contract extension, at which co- point, of course, they'd have to double down on it being worthwhile and being a good idea. And over the past couple seasons, it's become pretty evident that Tony Pollard gives them a lot more burst in the run game than Zeke was giving them. But I think in some ways it made Zeke seem worse than he was. Yeah, his, I forget, I don't know, his his YPC last year. Yes, yes, it's gone down considerably, but he was still a very effective short yardage and red zone running back. Oh yeah, for sure he was. So I think it's one of those ones where he was still a useful player that it's possible the Cowboys will miss situationally this year, even though it's clear that Pollard should be getting more touches on a week-to-week basis. You don't think your boy Rojo is going to be able to fill his shoes? I do not. I or, do the, not. Or, or Deuce Vaughn? No. I don't that think. one I don't even recognize. Oh, he's, he's, he was uh, Kansas State's running back. He was drafted. Like his, oh, I do have a soft spot for K-State. His dad works in the front office and got the draft oh. in, which was kind of cool. But he's like five feet, five inches. Oh, and, I love that. And he does not do kind of the uh, the Darren Sproles stuff as well as Darren Sproles. I was going to say, it gives me fond memories of Darren Sproles with K-State. Yeah, exactly. But I think he's more of like, he runs, doesn't catch the balls well out of the backfield. But I still, this is a cool story. I mean, part of the problem, though, is that he doesn't have as good of a name as their other running back on the roster, Mr. Rico Dowdle Jr. Oh, man, and Rico Dowdle is currently sitting in the second role because Rojo's wait is Rojo suspended for uh, performance enhancing substances 
Oh, that would be great. I'm pretty sure he is. I he for- does have that sus I totally so. forgot about I can't remember what it was for. Let me click on it. Let's see. I'm pretty sure it is that. Yep, violating the PED policy. <laughs> ah, lovely, lovely. Two games, not six games. That's weird. Okay, pretty minor for a... For actually trying to cheat, I guess. Right, right. That's that's not that big of a deal. Not for flipping 15 bucks on a parlay in college football. Yeah. Okay, so with that in mind, I think maybe their defense takes a slight step back this season. They were second in DVOA last season, and it's just it's hard year to year to repeat that, even if they do seem to be pretty stacked from a talent standpoint on that side of the ball. But that's that's just not enough. You know, we talked about the Eagles kind of adding depth at spots where they lose guys, and the Cowboys haven't had as many opportunities to do that. And it means that, sure, there's no talent reason to expect that they'll regress from second in defensive DVOA. They weren't super lucky in turnovers. They weren't super lucky on things like that. But what if Micah Parsons goes out for eight games and suddenly you're sort of, you know, ace in the hole, your move around rusher is gone. Does the rest of the defense hold up to be top five or do they slip down to 10th in DVOA for that stretch? So with that, and then the offensive regression that I'm pretty much willing to guarantee with Mike McCarthy calling plays, I definitely think they're set for a step back. That said, they were 12 and five last season and their over under is set at nine and a half this year. Yeah. And, yeah, they had some losses, like on offense. They lost, I think, a starting guard to Buffalo. I think they lost Dalton Schultz. Uh, he's out of the other team in Texas, which is hilarious. Yeah, and so their their schedule here, let's take a look at it real quick. We'll run through it quickly. Giants, Jets, Cardinals, Patriots, Niners, Chargers. Then they get a bye week. So out of those six I games, really bye. I think you're probably four wins you're hoping for five you're feeling pretty bummed out if you get three so maybe four after the bye you get rams eagles giants panthers commanders seahawks eagles bills dolphins lions commanders two eagles games and the buffalo game that's going to be tough but you know like you said with divisional you know they could get a win in one of those eagles games and it wouldn't be shocking especially at home you almost certainly beat the Panthers. They've looked really terrible so far. The Lions aren't as easy of a win as they used to be, are they? Hey, what are you trying to say? <laughs> Just you know, maybe maybe there's some high hopes for that team this season. Oh man, next it's gonna be heartbreaking to hear me talk about this team and what. Then they'll go like six and eleven. I'll really be down, but yeah, no, they're. I think they're gonna be good. So yeah, it's not gonna be this. The same, you're not thinking it's the same easy win as, you know, you might normally. Right. So with that in mind, though, I think seeing them slide to, what would they have to hit? They'd have to go down, all the way down to 9 and 8 in order to go under. <sighs> and 10 and 7 is that's a few wins. I really hate Mike McCarthy. I'm going to go under. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might. <laughs> <laughs> They did replace Dalton Schultz with a high tight end pick out of Michigan. And we were talking before this, a lot of of great offensive players have come out of the University of Michigan, especially non-quarterbacks, especially ones not named Tom Brady that basically have disavowed Michigan. Yeah, Anthony Thomas. Oh, he's he's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Amani Toomer. 
Ooh, I think that classic. Might... <laughs> uh, Tim Bianca Batuka. He had a really fun name to say. I remember. I remember looking at the uniform. It was stretched all the way across the back. It was pretty exciting. I remember when he played for Carolina, and through four games, he had like three carries, and they all went for like fifty yards. So he's averaging fifty yards a carry. There you go. Good times. That was as cool as it can get. They did get Brandon Cooks. I think that might be pretty good. Yes, I um, agree. You know, you look at some of the stuff that I think. Ah, but then you're like, but it's Mike McCarthy, so who cares? Yeah, that's where I am. I think he's going to have the same boring stuff, and it's certainly not going to help his game management to be calling plays. Also, but this defense is the real deal, and I think ten games is pretty attainable for them. So I'm, I'm going to go over here. Okay. First one we disagree on for this division, so that's good, too. All right, well, that does it for the NFC East. We'll be wrapping up the season previews with the NFC North coming up later this week and probably posting next week. So settle in for that one. We'll be going for a long time about our our two teams, or maybe we've already used the material that we had in mind. Yeah, we've sprinkled it in kind of throughout the entirety of the other preview pods. Yeah. Maybe we'll just have to do a deep dive on Mr. Tyson Bajan. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to do his whole entire career arc from 2021 <laughs> Harlan Hill Award winner to losing 44-7 to to the Colorado School of Mines. And... He's already on the decline. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough when you get blown out by John Matoka. It's <laughs> it's rough when you fumble, the, you get sacked eight times. Who, who hasn't fumble. been blown out by John Matoka? Come on. <laughs> Who hasn't seen a majestic moon ball from my dude John Matoka for a 60-yard bomb in Golden, Colorado, the oldest football stadium west of the Mississippi? And my boy <laughs> Matoka, and that's a real thing, and that's a real place, and Matoka's going to take you down. He just is going to. It's just the way it goes. You're, and let's be fair to the Shepherd University Rams. The Colorado School of Mines ore diggers, they had a pressure package that, I mean, to be fair, this Dallas team, that Philly team we talked about with 70 sacks, that they made the Colorado School of Mines ore diggers, the complexity (laughs) which they bring to the pass rush game will make the Philadelphia Eagles look like the Little Giants. Like, that's what I'm talking about. So, when we get Tyson Bajan in, after Justin Fields has his knee explode in the first game, which is what happens when you have this guy, he is going to take the league by storm. You just wait and see. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Thanks very much, Yaxi, and uh, have a good rest of the week. We'll, we'll get together for the NFC North soon. All right, man.